0: So we have a new song around the house that we've been singing. Or, by we, I mean I. Is it? Yeah.
1: Hey everybody, I'm back online. It's
0: not. It goes. uh, It goes like this. It goes. Good. Is this the episode where Tyler quits the podcast?
2: It might be. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of my favorite songs. I couldn't uh, do that to you guys. I would sure hope not. But will he come back?
1: Well. I think he can, or my name isn't Constantine de Montoya of Flanders. Of Flanders. Hit me with that sweet intro music.
0: Welcome back to Talking Backwards, the Twin Peaks podcast, where you can bet doorknobs to draw knobs that I'm Dave Jackson, the death mask expert, joined by Patrick Mahan. Hey, everybody. And Tyler Mullins. I don't know. Here we are <laughs> on The Condemned Woman. You'd have to be Billy and Zane to not know <laughs> about this I, episode.
2: I, I am a bit of a Zaniac.
0: <laughs> Who's not? And I got to say, looking good as a young man, oh, looking yeah. good as an older man. right here definitely in his peak his twin (laughs) peak
1: this was right after he probably did the back to the future movies which he was just a very extremely minor role as one of biff's buddies
0: before he was making his own luck on the titanic
1: right which we have to talk about that eventually
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we got connects. We do. We got connects. Quite a few. Before even that, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and kick it to Pat with the stats.
1: Pat Stats! Hey man, uh, this is Patrick, uh, host of the Pat Stats segment here on Talking Backwards Podcast. (laughs) Season 2, episode 16, episode 23, but 24th overall. The Condemned Woman, directed by Leslie Linka-Glatter. Where do we know Leslie Linka-Glatter from? Good luck, honey. That's right.
2: The, the Santa Claus, the Link Gladder Ladder Company.
1: This is the last episode that she ever directed of Twin Peaks, but glad to have her back.
2: Dave's not going to re- recover from that one. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: Rose, such a clatter company. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, I, I'm sorry. This one isn't great.
2: I don't remember anything except the last five seconds. Probably because
0: there's not much to remember before the last Yeah, five I think seconds.
1: that's all anyone remembers from this episode. <laughs> so it's up to you if to, to whether or not that saves your score. Much like, uh, if I remember correctly, Dispute Between Brothers, what saved me from that one was the Garland Briggs Coop campfire scene at the end. That's what kept mm-hmm. my score high. Um, so whether or that, not and your
2: r- refusal to go below three
1: I mean Twin Peaks is great come on guys um,
0: if I had to sum up my recollection of this episode it would be Pine Weasel
2: they're great roasted
0: <laughs> doorknob Bob and that's okay and that's the episode thanks everybody so much this week for joining in
2: <laughs> don't play me out no. I don't even know why Patrick's here he died last episode <laughs>
1: I am a ghost. We did,
2: and a surprise twist. He's a, a spirit. Mm-hmm. Another double. Whoa. Well, let's jump in, dude. Have we not already done that? I don't think so.
1: What have I been doing? What do we? What? What? Are, what? Are,
2: what was it all for?
0: What are we doing? Powers
1: malfunctioning.
0: If I can't scuba, what has this all been for? Oh, you will scuba dive,
1: one day. Ugh. Not today.
0: This episode opens at the police station with. A shot of an owl trinket on a desk. Sheriff Truman's desk. Because I remember Tyler said, oh, look, an owl. (laughs) I did. That's right. (laughs) Very prominent owl. (laughs) Yep. Uh, We also have the death mask. Yes. Tell us more about that.
2: Yes, I've heard you're the expert.
0: I am the death mask expert, and I can tell you this looks exactly like Caroline, and she was beautiful according to the shape of this mask.
2: Let me tell you something. I need more than just bone structure.
1: Bone structure? To
2: get me going.
0: There is a tape recording playing of Wendell Merle to Coop, uh, basically saying, make your move, put it in the paper, and uh, let's see if you can save anybody. They have a deadline because the personal columns close at a certain time at the Gazette. And they are going to need paper and Pete, according to Lucy's notes. She's going to do them in alphabetical order.
2: So we finally get Lucy. Yeah. But it's just her voice? In
0: sound only, yes.
1: That's, uh... What's up with that? Yeah, and Andy and Dick are still MIA. Yeah, that's fine. So we go to the Martell Manor. Oh yeah, I like I like learning about Pete and Andrew Packard's relationship here. Um, yeah, I think it's funny that I mean, and, and it makes perfect sense. But it also this whole episode actually sort of paints Andrew Packard in a weird light for me, where he's just sort of weird, goofy, kind of a goofball. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I wasn't really expecting. But it makes complete sense with Catherine not enjoying them being together. Like, what does she say? You two bring out the worst in, in each, each other. other. Yeah, yeah so,
0: This is very clearly not the first time that they have just straight acted a fool around each other. Yeah. Uh, there's got to be more to the story about the dog-shaped breakfast.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that was not funny. <laughs> But
0: Andrew loved it. Oh, there's a backstory. hated it, and Andrew loved it. There has to be a backstory there. I wish that I would have gotten a little more insight into what that backstory was, because otherwise, that's just a dumb 20 seconds. Use your, use your imagination, buddy. I did. And what did you come up but with? I needed, but I needed more. What's the backstory? <laughs> so, okay, I, I picture them in their younger years. Having encountered some dog that was goofy looking the way this breakfast was, and the only way to like get off it was like trying to bite him. So, all they could do was like throw toast and eggs at it. It's like, yeah, get out of here, you you mutt. And that dog's name was Breakfast.
1: (laughs) There it is. There it is. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Uh, I'm so sorry. Did you know what that dog's name was? It was Breakfast. (laughs) So, is this where Andrew (laughs) says that he's leaving for Paris?
2: Why? he's only just returned i
1: know well my, that was my thought is like how is he people don't even know he's alive how is he leaving the mm-hmm. country or are they talking about is there a paris washington is that or is it paris the town that james is in <laughs> there's a paris tennessee <laughs> like where there is how long ago did he die it was september 87 yeah not even two years yeah not even two years before because laura palmer died in february of 89
2: I think maybe at some
0: point in either this episode or last, they said it's been five years, and Since. so him just now
1: showing up, it was like, I don't maybe know. Maybe maybe it felt like five years. Do you know what the so, boat's name was? The Mister Beaumont. Harms. <laughs> no, the boat's name was Josie. <laughs> oh, that's oh, stupid. I hate that.
2: Yeah. Just, no wonder it blew just up. Telling you facts.
1: By like Josie blew up Josie. Aha. Uh-huh. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, <laughs> double. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a little self-destruction. Oh man. But uh, I, I I did note that during the interchange about the two of them uh, being terrible around each other with Catherine. She mentioned something about Pete, and uh, Andrew offhandedly said, "Oh, Pizza Prince." Pizza Prince. Yeah,
1: that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And where where have we heard someone else being called a prince? Fred's a prince. Fred's a prince. Two princes, spin doctors. But
0: uh, Josie walks in as they're all sitting there. This is her first time seeing Andrew Packard alive, apparently. She's carrying some, some lumber?
2: <laughs> some st- no, sticks? it's some sticks. Oh, just sticks? <laughs>
0: so I'm misremembering. Some kindling at best. <laughs> yeah, she comes in, sees Andrew Packard, and faints as gentle as I've ever seen somebody faint. Yep. There's a nice soft safe landing. It's a on weird the floor. it's
1: a weird cutaway too. Yeah. Because it kind of cuts like her midfall and it's is it kind of slow motion?
0: It's not slow motion, it's her moving that slowly <laughs> okay. to lay down and not get hurt.
1: <laughs> I love that I thought I remembered it being slow motion, but no, she was just moving that slow.
0: And I like that the uh, the murder of the Asian man is still the headline on the newspaper that we see still, next. What does
2: it say? Still no suspects or something? Yeah, still like no that. suspects. No, no leads. There's or... No clues to killer. <laughs> no, no clues <laughs> to killer. Who oh. killed this Asian
1: man? Why is it so important? Twin Peaks is rocked. By Maybe this you'd death. get
2: some clues if you released his name.
1: <laughs> I'd be way more interested <laughs> in the story if it said Cousin John killed. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Assistant to the
1: cousin. John. <laughs> yeah
0: somebody killed cousin
2: john no
0: <laughs>
1: i'd be way more interested
0: well one john down and one john enter yeah by the end of the episode that's true
1: hank enters the police station on crutches yeah we haven't seen yeah in what in happened uh he got hit by a tree bus oh yeah that's right <laughs> a bus full of trees a tree fell on a bus full of red pines i love this here just because he's trying to just you know weasel his way out of it. Aha. Oh. Truman's like, nope, you've had a million chances. Get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, before he
0: yells, get, him out, get, out get him out of there. Like, Harry's clearly upset. Yeah. And Hawk takes it upon himself to be a great wingman.
1: Oh, yeah. This was a great Hawk to, scene. It's great.
0: To put it a certain way, to be a wingman.
1: Yeah, Hawk was great and in this And kick scene. Hank's
0: crutch out from under it. Gee, sorry. That was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I love that. Every time Hank tries to make a deal with this episode, nobody is having it.
1: Yeah, what took everybody so like, long? Come
0: like, on. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> if there's ever been any doubt about Josie being definitely involved in a lot of bad things, Albert comes in with all the evidence that Cooper would need to put her away. That's right. Pulled the ballistics from both the time he was shot and the murder of Jonathan Lee Kumanji. And uh, <laughs> it's the same bullet, same gun, same killer. It, Josie. Vicuna Coat. Lock her up.
1: Done. Back to the Great Northern. Meanwhile. Back to the Great Northern where the uh, 1989 Tri-County Rodeo Association Annual Convention is happening.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But we did didn't I? see anybody
1: for that, did we? There wasn't like a line of
0: guys in cowboy hats or there,
1: there, are, there are regular some, jeans? There are some people wandering around in the background, yes, that I think would be attending this event. Make mm. the cowboy hats give it away.
0: There were cowboy hats. I missed them. I think I was too distracted by Randy's
1: bad attitude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, old Randy, Randy Meyer. Old oh, high and mighty check-in clerk. It's Good to see him. Good to see him. He's credited as Randy St. Croix this episode, though.
2: I think he's going to go the distance. He's going to make it. Make it where? Just to the end. He's going
1: to rise in the ranks. What, him and Louie, dream team?
2: They're going to buy out the Great One-eyed Northern. One-Eyed Jacks?
1: Oh, the Great Northern.
2: And then they're going to run this business together. Perfect to the ground, have a hundred kids, and then their kids are going to stay in the rooms of the great northern, and then they're going to lose money because all their kids are staying in the rooms, and they're going to go bankrupt.
1: I can get behind that plot.
2: Well, let's talk about Audrey. Yeah, what would you like to say about
1: her? Mm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's always good. (laughs) Oh man, I. Katie actually walked in while I was watching this part, and mm-hmm. walks walks in front of me. and Just goes, "She's hot." That's great. <laughs> she's uh, not right. wrong. Like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, yeah, Audrey. Uh, she's just trying to learn the business and get things done. Just figure out little bits of each individual, and each individual job here. And Randy makes and some. Make some undermining comment about how he can't wait for her to do the housekeeping.
1: Like, Randy, man, stay in your lane. Yeah, you shouldn't be talking to the boss's daughter this way.
0: How about you just stand behind the counter and check people in before you injure yourself? I don't think Randy yeah. cares about his job. I don't care about Randy's job. Where's Louie?
2: Yeah, where is Louie?
0: Louie did a great job. Louie's... Is she
2: pregnant? Looking Louis for was a go-getter. for empty. <laughs> to you?
1: you know billy zane
2: yeah the unimaginable bastard
1: or as tyler put it <laughs> is that billy zane
0: <laughs> <laughs> well he was in the opening credits which i assume you just missed again i don't watch yeah, those
1: yeah. we glanced over those they're
0: too spoilery <laughs> they're a little spoilery they are now Billy Zane is here as an unnamed man with a private jet who's a little bit of a boy scout that knows Audrey from when she was ten and brings that up, which is not creepy.
1: Not <laughs>
2: at all. Just cause her name's Audrey, he's like immediately, huh? Mm-hmm. Horn? Horn. Must be. He knows. He knew what he was doing
1: from the moment he walked up yeah, to he it.
0: And Audrey clearly smitten by this striking man. Yeah, Billy Zane's as-of-yet-unnamed character does mention that uh, he remembers Audrey as being a Heidi in either a stage production or as an alias when she was yep. 10.
2: Or just running, running around. Casually,
0: it's a little creepy.
1: Yeah, he, he, she does call him Mr. Rockefeller, but we do find out his real name later, so she was obviously just making a joke that he's wealthy.
2: Son of Theodore Rockefeller.
1: So uh, the note that Audrey got has a photo of her
0: and mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. piece of a poem. And an inscription, or sorry, uh, or an additional note that says, "Save the one you love. Meet at the roadhouse. When? Nine thirty. Thirty. Always nine thirty at the roadhouse. One of my favorite pieces of continuity in the show is it's always nine thirty at, at the roadhouse. The time that people meet at the roadhouse.
1: Yep. Yep. How does Wyndham know to do that? Time in Twin Peaks, man. He owns Ta- the you're roadhouse. right. Time in Twin Peaks. Correct. I know how that works. If you meet at the Roadhouse, you meet at 9.30. Yeah,
0: just do. Got it.
1: A.M.? No. <laughs> I don't no, know. That's when court is in session. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the place is booked in the morning. <laughs> uh, we're going to go back to the Hurley household, where Nadine has some hard news for Ed. Yeah. Uh, I know it would be hard news for me if my current wife, who is mentally unstable who was having an affair had one with a high school eye. boy could give me.
2: Yep. It's very relatable.
1: This is a relief for Big Ed. <laughs> the whole thing's a little problematic. Absolutely it is.
2: Not not for him.
1: Not, not Except for Big for Ed. Big Ed. Ed. That's that's the problem. But for us <laughs> it's very problematic. Uh Big Ed, not a prince, Fred. Absolutely. Fred's day, a prince all day a prince.
0: Big Ed has a lot of trouble with priorities and real-world circumstances. Like So his current wife, who he is not divorced from, says that she is in love with a high school boy and that they have had a wonderful night together all night. All night? And so she says that they are breaking up because we got to call a spade a spade. Hard to just break up as a married couple because as... Most adults know you have to go through a legal process of getting an actual divorce.
1: Do we know that that's how that works in Twin Peaks? I guess I don't know that they're actually
2: married. Maybe it's just a common law. Have you
1: seen the marriage certificate?
2: I haven't. Do
0: you have such a certificate? But yeah, that's that's the issue I had with it. Uh, But, you know, since Ed and Norma did it, that it's no big deal that Nadine and Mike did it. It's true.
2: That's right.
0: And her dysfunctional, underaged mind, this is just all is fair in love and war kind of situation.
2: Let's talk about how bad Catherine is at hiding. <laughs>
1: she doesn't even need to open the blinds. She could just no.
2: hear them. She doesn't need it's to a, see them.
0: It's a loud, obvious conversation. And she could only... Uh, I don't know. She loves it. She loves to hear it. She loves to see it. But Coop really just wants josie to confess to just come in and just get it out in the open let's just stop playing games and call this thing a thing let's Mm -hmm. get it over with yeah let's but that's not how josie operates it is not coop just wants confession kathy i why do i say kathy the way that (laughs) i don't know that's what pete calls her I guess, yeah.
2: Last week it was Dale Yeah, Kathy. It was <laughs> yeah.
0: Look, I'm very familiar with these characters. We're we're on these terms. So I I will buy I'll buy that she has secret keys and a gun behind some books. Sure. But the way that she reveals that she has that gun behind some books for Josie to take to her meeting with Eckhart is to look through the books like, now where did I put my keys? Oh there they are. Spot on
2: Kathy impression.
0: Yeah, it sounds just like her. Classic Kathy. <laughs> If they ever cast a robot that inherits her soul in a future episode, I'm just gonna go in for the voice audition. Yeah, so now Josie's got a gun
1: for her meeting with that cart.
2: Josie's got a gun. There it is. So what were they talking about?
1: He was giving her an ultimatum to she'd have to show up by oh by nine. Yeah, or he'd come looking for her. Mm -hmm. Like show up to the sheriff's station by then to turn her classic deal. So then uh, Miss Martell gives her the secret gun. She doesn't give it to her.
2: Well, she basically. So that's what happened to Yeah, she finds yeah. her keys. She finds her keys. She comes into the room, opposite the door she was just dropping eaves from, and she's like, "Oh, I saw Agent Cooper just left."
0: And Josie's like, "I don't feel well." When you find a moment, come in and pick up these eaves I dropped. <laughs> I'm not going to jail. I ain't been dropping no eaves, sir. Catherine comes in and says, like, you need to have a meeting with Eckhart. He's called for you. You need to go tonight.
2: And she says like, by happy circumstances, here's a gun. You did push the button, so technically, like, you did. Yeah. What you said you were going to (laughs) do.
0: Maybe he'll understand. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe you can appeal to his better nature.
2: I don't think so. Nah. Hence the pistolita. Back to the Great Northern! Mean while Ben Horn is rocking some sweet threads. Dude,
0: this tracksuit... Straight from the 90s. It looks like one of those water cups. <laughs>
2: you, <laughs> That's with the, the purple and the tur- the teal. <laughs> yeah.
0: What I can't hate on Ben Horn for is being a man of comfort
2: nowadays. No, he's been through a lot. He just went through a whole war.
0: He's been through a war. He just wants to be comfortable. He wants to keep his air sacs clear. <laughs> I assume he's stopping smoking as of this episode. He's eating better, just like stocks of celery,
1: no sauce. He's a changed man, is he? I mean, he puts a, lot of he stuff. puts his cigar stuff. out later too, and the you know he's completely That's, changed. I
2: thought that was just related to his comment about the earth. No,
1: he's traded in his cigars for celery.
0: It's like you can look, you can watch in real time as he decides to stop smoking in that moment. Because even, like, Mm. Jerry offers him a drink, he doesn't take it. Jerry's got a tray of snacks, nothing to do with it. Stock of celery, that's all I want right now. Taking care of my body, taking care of my air.
2: Ben's... Dip it in some peanut butter.
0: Ben's in a good place. Uh, This is also where we find out that Billy Zane's character is John Justice Wheeler. What a name. This makes him another Jonathan for the series.
1: Yeah, Cousin Jonathan, Johnny Horn. Oh, yeah. And, uh, That's a triple. It's a triple. What's her triple sound?
2: Yeah, I've got it right here. Yes. <laughs> Veto. Uh, Nailed it.
0: Why is Jerry injured? I I have Jerry's Band-Aid noted, but I don't know what Was happened. this a Civil War wound? I guess you'd have to assume, but I thought the fighting was over as of last episode.
1: Jerry mm-hmm. snuck back down. Later in the night to finish what Ben started. Stepped on some minifigs and fell into a diorama.
0: Yep. But you know what? We're done with the Civil War. There are more important matters
2: at hand. I was wondering if he just the actor himself heard him like cut himself. And so they put a band aid on it because on it wouldn't show up on older TVs. But it does now. It definitely does now. Yeah, it was
0: definitely noticeable Uh, from the onset. Another mystery. Yeah, big things at work here. Uh, Ghostwood Estates Project is going to cut into a lot of the local wildlife's habitats. It's going to pollute a lot of the air. And Ben Horn, being a changed man who's very environmentally conscious, wants to stop this. Not because it would cause an opportunity for them to take over again once it's cut off, but because of the little pine weasel guys.
1: Yeah, we yeah. gotta save that pine weasel.
0: We've got to save the pine weasel and actually, life itself.
1: I mean, I see what he's trying to do. What's
2: he trying to do? Well,
1: he's trying to get back at Catherine. He's trying to prevent trying to jam up prevent the, the Ghostwood uh, Estates project from going through. Also, I believe this is the first time I've heard him call his business Horn Industries Incorporated.
0: Oh, you didn't know about H.I.I.?
1: Yeah, when he said it, I was like, this doesn't sound like something I've heard before.
0: But really, in the end, it's all to set up his campaign to run for Senate. Yeah, Senator Horn. The Double Hard Diner.
1: This is where Shelly's there, right?
0: This is where Shelly's there. I
1: appreciate the continuity of uh, having her arm taped up from where last episode she was in a sling. I appreciate that. Yeah, she got in a scrape. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, We have a uh, badly disguised Wyndham Earl as
1: a trucker. But before that, Tyler, tell us Soup of the Day. Was it
2: Rabbit Bisque?
1: Yes. I believe that's correct.
2: I believe so as well.
1: Rabbit Bisque. But yes, Wyndham Earl is chilling, uh, having some grub down at the double R, and he leaves Shelly her note. One of the
0: three angels. The angels will gather at the roadhouse at 930. Wyndham's angels. Hi, Wyndham. Hi, Angels. Uh, Norma is on the phone with her sister, Annie, who's on her way back from a convent. How is Annie? Uh, she's okay. Cool. Smooth criminal. Is that what you're doing? Is that what you're... Yes, I was doing a smooth criminal reference. Is that what you were reaching for? Okay. Yes. Annie, are you okay? But uh, that's what we get from here. Shelley gets her note,
1: her sister on the line, and Ed comes in to claim what's his. And with her sister on the line, she says something very interesting. Um, she says that, she, or this is, I guess, after the fact when she's talking to Shelley, but she says that uh, she's always felt like her sister is from another place in time. I believe that's the quote. <gasps> what? And it just makes me think of time in Twin Peaks, Tyler. And it makes me yeah. think of the man from another place, um, just because she says another place. <laughs>
2: I bet her sister is Bob. Or the waiter. I
0: think it's going to be like a Dennis Denise situation where Annie comes in. just It's just Bob with a wig. A worse wig.
2: It's actually Barbara. (laughs) (laughs) She's a southern male. This southern flower is a Wilton.
0: (laughs) But he uh, Ed buss in and uh, claims what's his. Just goes right behind the counter. Health codes be damned. Health codes be damned. Let's scoop Norma up and tell her it's been 20 years too late. They are getting married.
1: But they need to get divorced first, both of them. I absolutely love Shelley's reaction to this. Uh, mm-hmm. I see the gif come up from time to time, but I love her just walking away and then the... The sheepish little... <laughs> I love it. Wander off behind the ice
0: cream machine. It's fantastic. It's really good. Uh... That's all that scene has before it's a hard cut to the woods where we have a uh, dog collar Leo doing some whittling. He's just whittling shafts for Wyndham Earl's arrows. Wyndham has a lot of poetry to recite and he wants Leo to keep going before they can eat. And he pulls out an arrow head, to put on the arrow shaft, which causes Leo's face to change from just disconnection to pure joy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. His face does change there.
0: Spaced out Leo loves arrows. Spaced out Leo loves violence. Yeah, just not to him. Yes. He did anybody else get anything out of this scene?
1: Absolutely not. No. Other than that, he was just having him make arrows. That was about it. Gotcha.
2: I think he's plotting something with the arrows.
1: That's a it's a good thing to to think. <laughs> Thanks. That's a you're a good thinker, Tyler. I try to think good. Well then, let's go to jail. Where the feathers from the pillows that Ben destroyed are still on the floor. Yeah, <laughs> they have not cleaned up the jail since Ben was in there. It's because Andy's
2: been gone. I
0: I feel like somebody might have attempted to clean up the feathers and got about thirty minutes into it, was just like ah, it's hopeless.
2: It is, and threw them all back down. Yeah.
0: Now uh, Norma comes in to visit Hank in the cell
1: and claims divorce. But then he still tries to like win her over, which I just don't. I mean, clearly it's worked on her before. Yes. Which is why he's doing so it. So I don't blame him for trying, but just seeing it again.
2: But her not buying it and him realizing that, like, oh, crap.
1: It's great. Yeah, watching him yeah. turn Finally, and I was, there's no deal. Yeah. First time seeing this through, I thought, man, she's just going to fall for it again, and her and Ed are going to be done. But yep. I got so excited when she stood up for herself, and she's like, no. <laughs> like, you can't cut any deals. Yeah, I Hank has used lures. up
0: all his passes. No deals for Hank. Uh, he instead tries to negotiate. He says, all right. No deals. Then how about you give me an alibi for the night that I shot Leo and I'll <laughs> divorce you. And Norma says, no, I'm just going to divorce you. Yeah. How about that? Awesome. Uh, he has some great things to say about her relationship with Ed here. Hank looks her in the eye and says that she's Ed's whore. And she <gasps> does not take well to that at all. She don't. This in no way helps Hank's case, and Norma leaves him in his cell to rot. To the station! Are we already there? Yeah, we're
2: back to playing chess. (laughs) To a different... uh, Upstairs. (laughs) To a different office.
0: We assume that Lucy has made the call to the paper to push back their deadline for the personal submissions, and made the call to Pete Martell, who is here to help with the next move. Pete must be really good at chess, because with one move... He is able to delay the loss of a piece by 5 6 moves at best.
2: I really hope the next episode he like take like he just mis- miscalculated and he just immediately <laughs> oh, no. takes out a piece <laughs> and everyone dies. <laughs> huh.
0: <laughs> just sets off a bomb under the city.
2: <laughs> You'd have to be insane to try that move.
0: <laughs> I never predicted that. <laughs> yeah, this is where Albert has definitive evidence against Josie to Cooper and pretty much says like you need to get her or I'm going to you got to pull the trigger on this she's absolutely guilty and we have all the receipts and Co- yeah. Cooper says he'll take care of it but Harry has overheard everything so it looks like the situation has handled itself already
1: Yep, yeah, he comes out and gives a stern look down the hall to Albert mm-hmm. Coop then he
2: walks off.
1: He does. He storms out. I think he goes out to the parking lot to do some punch dancing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's going to go punch, punch
2: dancing out my rage.
1: <laughs> all of his rage. I galloped into a wooded <laughs> wooded glen. Picture, I'm going to Sheriff. my happy place. Picture <laughs> Sheriff Truman doing that in the woods of Twin Peaks. Can we get s-
2: <laughs> who can we pay to just like put his face on Face on, on <Yeah>. I'll pitch in like 20 bucks. Because, yes, it would be great to have this scene and then just show that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, after Harry storms off in the hallway, we get a
1: very familiar shot of Josie applying makeup in the mirror. Yes, the same one from the pilot. Almost. Well, not the same shot, but yeah, the same idea. Yeah, almost the same. I love that. I love that callback. Kind of like where everything began. Yeah, especially with mm, yeah, with what happens for Josie, yeah. <laughs> At the end, yeah. I think that's that's great. That's that was actually one of my favorite things they did in this episode.
0: Also, yeah, spoiler alert. Uh the episode The Condemned Woman is the end of Josie's arc.
1: <laughs> what?
2: No. She's still I saw her face. <laughs> did she's you? still alive in that drawer. drawer knob. She's alive. <laughs> <laughs> so weird yeah why is he british
0: (laughs) why is he british he's dick tremaine's father is that a fan fiction
2: somewhere
1: i refuse
2: (laughs) refuse to believe that
0: dick packard now as she's putting her makeup on yeah andrew packard comes in dick pack uh (laughs) uh, but yeah as she's applying her makeup she's interrupted by andrew packard yes Uh, she doesn't faint this time i guess she's aware of his being alive
2: (laughs) yes Uh, After seeing him alive, I guess that really clued her in. Yeah, Uh,
0: Basically, just says, hey, there's no grudge. I understand why you did what you did. Uh, Go to Eckhart and do what you need to do. Go make a life for yourself. He has the means to keep you alive and go do that.
1: Yeah, because
2: we all know maids don't get paid much. Right.
1: Well, this maid for sure doesn't get paid. And he says he's never going to talk to her again.
2: Yep. That's right. This, this will be the last time you see will be him. the last time we speak.
0: The longest field goal ever
1: attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips
0: like this? Go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And then, for some reason, right after that, uh, we cut to the woods with Donna and James.
2: Um, nice day for a picnic. Nice day for a 20-second challenge. 20-second challenge! 20 second challenge. Uh,
0: so, yeah, 20-second challenge on this picnic scene. and Ready? Yeah. Go. It's done in James. They go to the woods. She leads him over to a picnic. She asks him to come back to Twin Peaks. He says no. Uh, she eventually decides that he will go and live his life and come back with great stories that don't have to do with Maddie or Laura or Evelyn, and it'll be great. And that's kind of the end of the scene. That's really all there is.
2: Wow, 16 <laughs> seconds. I don't even have anything to add. Nope.
0: Damn. <laughs> Again, we're ping ponging back and forth across locations. So let's go back to Martell Manor. I guess Pete's trying to do a soldering project. What's <laughs> what's in his lap here?
2: I thought it was. I thought he was doing something with fishing hooks or something.
0: I thought he was sewing. I think these I are all wrong. plausible options. <laughs> but either way, he's doing way more with his hands, and he's more invested in what he's doing than Catherine, who just has a glass and a book. It's a mug. A mug and a book.
1: <laughs> and someone is furiously knocking on the door.
0: Yeah, like stop it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's awful. Ah, man. <laughs> oh,
0: I just freaked my dog out. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> heard that. It's Harry, and he's here to see Josie. Wants to see her right away. And uh, Pete and Catherine have conflicting stories as to where she might be.
2: Yeah, Pete lets some stuff slip. I feel like mm-hmm. she told but me I couldn't she tell was going to the Great North. He was supposed to,
1: or. I don't know. Yeah, because it's weird. Because I feel like the stuff that Catherine says is just like, you should probably go. <laughs> I feel like she just ends up basically giving him the information he needs to hear. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why they're trying to be so weird about it.
0: Yeah, I don't think Pete intended to give away what he gave away, but it definitely conflicted with Catherine's story. And I, I just feel like she didn't communicate to Pete to not give it away. So it's kind of the cat's out of the bag. And here we go. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Josie is off to meet Thomas Eckhart. Harry, realizing this, takes off to intercept that meeting.
2: Elevator! Yeah, <laughs>
0: Titanic. Titanic elevator. So we got Thomas Eckhart and Andrew Packard together in the elevator. I don't believe in ghosts.
1: <laughs> that was a great Thomas Eckhart. <laughs> uh,
0: but you don't, have, you don't have to believe in ghosts when the person you're standing next to is alive. <laughs> I think what I liked most about this scene is how everybody, the entire episode is, it's kind of culminated into this interaction with Thomas and Andrew, where they continue to throw Josie under the bus. Yeah. She's absolutely guilty of everything and hasn't gotten away with anything. I know these secrets of hers. Here you go. And everybody's just going to undo her. There's no chance. She is a condemned woman, one might say.
2: Uh-huh. Sure. I wonder if that's where they got the name of this episode.
0: I don't think so. But why is Andrew British? Andrew Packard is Catherine Martell's brother, and she's not yes. British, right? And maybe that's maybe that's a blanket accent. Maybe I'm saying, it was a side like,
2: effect of the explosion. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, that'll work.
2: That's why he talks like that. That's he why wasn't he puts weird inflections on. He wasn't there though. I don't know that. He could have. He could have been thrown off they not saying the that. The boat.
1: I thought that they knew they their plan was that they they knew that Josie was doing that, so he wasn't there when the boat blew up.
0: Yeah, didn't they get don't they give away that Josie actually warned Andrew Packard about the explosion to tell him to stay away from it? Well,
1: that no, that was what they said uh that she could tell Thomas Eckert, but it's not true. Mm, right.
2: Yeah, that's what Kathy said. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So
0: yeah so everybody's trying to make deals with people that aren't going to be making deals and it's all just a wash
2: at this point
1: everyone's just yeah. gonna have to deal with it
2: so then he gets off the elevator he's like I'm people don't know I'm alive I'm so going to the basement <laughs> don't don't tell anybody yeah I'm going to like, the parking lot I would have absolutely just told immediately started telling
1: people. Just puts
0: on his Charles Nelson Riley glasses and gets on. That would have
1: been great if he just got (laughs) off the elevator and just started trotting around. I'm
0: alive.
1: I'm alive.
0: (laughs) It's me, Andrew Packard. Not dead. Maybe a
1: couple of of cartwheels. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh. I would have loved to see that, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I know. That would
1: have been great.
0: So, at the Great Northern, we have Ben, Audrey, and Jack. Billy.
2: Oh, Yay. Billy. I called Bobby Billy the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now Billy Zane is on.
1: Yeah, you summoned him here. Billy Zane. I did. Yes.
2: I did. I am one of the co-founders of the Billy Billy Zane fan club.
0: So trying to negotiate deals with anybody in this episode is what we don't do, but I'd like to talk about what we do do. Let's talk about some doo-doo. What we, what we do do is we quit smoking. We get a little backstory from Jack. Uh, He's the guy who comes in and buys up failing businesses, turns them around, makes them eco-friendly, and sells them for
1: profit. Ben is apparently... Sounds like a
2: very made-up business. Yeah.
0: That's what Jack do-do, which is what Audrey asked him.
1: Also, Audrey coughs into her hands.
0: Yeah, why does she start coughing? Because I I definitely noted that, but I didn't know if she was just caught off guard by something or... Uh,
1: I thought she was triggered by him... By Ben saying virgin pages and it's virgin pages that made her cough.
0: He says, Think of me as an open book for you to scribe your wisdom on my virgin pages.
1: Yeah, and then she caught like she's reacting to that line. Yeah.
0: But ultimately, Ben has to excuse himself from the table because the chef
1: just tried to stab Jerry. I love that. Jerry's in the kitchen looking for food. He's mad no one's trying cooking to, him up uh, a smoked cheese pig. No, he's trying to roast a weasel. <laughs> yeah, roast a weasel. <laughs> well, they
0: are great roasted.
1: So uh, we have to assume that it's about
0: 9.30 now. Pretty close,
2: if not right at Probably dead
0: on at the roadhouse. Yeah. yeah. Where Donna meets up with Shelley,
1: and they are met up with by Audrey. Yep. This is uh, interesting because it's the first time we've seen them all three together on screen. That's yeah. true. I thought it was really particularly interesting with Shelly and Donna because they seemed very friendly. I can only assume maybe they were friends before Shelly dropped out of high school. Yeah. Because they share a cigarette, mm. right? Yes. And
0: Shelly has not been around the school at all since the beginning of the season or the series. So they definitely haven't hung
1: out together mm-hmm. in a while. I don't really ever think they ever shared but, any scenes at the double R even. Right. though. So yeah, I was like, it's like as soon as you see all three of them come together on screen, you're like, wow, why isn't this happening all the time? <laughs> but uh, together they are able to fully assemble
0: the poem that they were each given yep. a piece of.
2: Would y'all have gone to the roadhouse if you were given this
1: mysterious note? If I was in a large, small town such as Twin Peaks. Okay,
0: so in Aud- in Audrey's case, yes. <laughs> I-, I can see Audrey going somewhere because she is a note passer. Yeah. So is Donna. That and she's always giving you know, these cryptic, you know, meet me X place at this time kind of messages to people. Yeah, so for her to get one is not an ordinary uh, with Donna, she's also a note passer, but she is more than she is to give somebody something like, "Hey, come here at this time" and be cryptic about it. She is one to receive possible clues and definitely follow up. So, she will definitely be there. Shelly's kind of the
1: yeah. well she also got the advice from norma about it she's like would you go to this <laughs> and she's like well it seems dangerous <laughs> and maybe maybe that yeah. excites shelly because she needs a little danger in her life oh yeah yeah it surprised
0: me that shelly actually followed up because this mother figure norma said i don't know that sounds dangerous to me what did she also say it sounds exciting yeah
1: so it's that combo
0: If there wasn't such a big note-passing culture in Twin Peaks already, then I would not expect these people to show up. But since that is the firmly established form of communication, then it's not surprising at all that they're all here at this time. Okay, then. As a sly, trucker-disguised Wyndham looks on while they assemble their note, they all read aloud this poem that's been Mm -hmm. constructed. And I don't remember it, and I didn't write it down.
2: Patrick said it the last time.
0: Uh, The gist seems to be... uh, if there is somebody that you find desirable, then isn't it a waste if they don't desire you back? Pretty much.
2: Yeah. Yep, right? Back to the Great Northern. Meanwhile. I guess Cooper's just doing some fishing practice. Yeah. And he's getting pretty good from the looks of it. He's
0: He'd be a great at ribbon dancing, if nothing else. Dude. My, he's
1: my sisters had one that thing. thing
2: when I was a kid. It was surprisingly a blast.
0: Do you still practice with the ribbon dancer? If I had one, I know what you're getting for Christmas.
2: Do it. So yeah, Dale is doing some who <laughs> <laughs> some fancy cast work mm-hmm. on his bed.
0: And then, of course, the phone rings just as he's getting the hang of it. The caller says that Josie is in the Great Northern. Miss Martell, Kathy. It's- it's calf on the line. It's calf on the line. Cath.
2: <laughs> just going to go to calf.
0: <laughs> and states that Josie is there in the Great Northern, that she is meeting with Thomas Eckhart. So Coop pulls a gun from his drawer and goes to intervene. There are obviously sounds of distress coming from what has to be the target room. Cries for help. Yeah, the scene that he busts into is strange.
2: Yeah, I don't understand. What, what's strange so,
0: about it, Dave? Well, Josie is in bed. Yeah. Th- Thomas Eckhart is in bed. Yeah. He is in his jammy jams. Yep. <laughs> and she is in some sort of nightdress. Yep. So, what was happening here?
2: I don't know. Before the gunshot. already shot? been shot. Yeah. She like shot him like, like this.
0: <laughs> like in the back, but from underneath him, with his back on the bed. He didn't feel that. <laughs> he I, I got some just. You got some the strong
2: up. bony hands.
0: She has magnificent hands, guys. No. Yeah, she was very she this. was very
1: quick to pretend to be dead. Yeah.
0: And then when she clearly was not dead, then it was just all bets are off. Goop busts in, he's got his gun out. Thomas <laughs> Eckhart stems up out of the bed in his pajamas, bleeding from the chest. Takes several steps towards him before he finally collapses to his injuries to reveal Josie is awake and conscious with a gun pointed at Cooper. So we've got a standoff
1: except Harry is also on the scene. Oh, he's yeah. got his gun on her. Yeah. We we get our final Josie saying Harry. Mhm.
2: Yeah, she says like five times. Yeah. Well, well gotta, she's got to get it all out. Got to get it point. all out. Yeah. This
0: is it. <laughs> like it seems like a standoff that's going to end in gun violence. Yeah, she said, but, it, it, but he's
1: what does he say to her like, you know, would Is it the same story you would have told everyone else that he tried to shoot her um, Mm -hmm. and he asked her why she shot him and she just says, because you came here. (laughs) Yeah, That's an interesting (laughs) (laughs) reason. It's like,
0: because you came and this was going to happen eventually.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it was going to happen eventually regardless. Yeah. Irregardless of... (laughs) Of coming, uh, Coop's coming, of Coop's arrival, of Dale like, showing up. Well, well, that might have yeah, just Josie, sped you're a, up.
0: yeah, Josie, you're a serial criminal and a terrible liar. This was going to happen eventually.
1: Yeah. you were going to get caught. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, Harry busts in, and he, I assume, can't believe this is the situation that he's in with his mm. lover, and he tells her to put it down. And she says Harry again, mm-hmm. and then he proceeds to scream, put it down, with much heartbreak in his voice.
2: Much. <sighs> oh, Michael But Hunking. the
1: situation kind of takes care of itself, doesn't it? It sure does. They don't have to do anything, because the next thing we know, she... Just kinda <laughs> she kind of seizes up, dies? right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just kind of dies. She just kind of dies. You do hear a sound as this is happening. Kind of some mm-hmm, yeah. some, some whooshing. Whoosh. bit of a whoosh. Some a little bit of uh bob sounds with tons of reverb swooshing around the room. You know, classic whooshy bob sounds. Gimme that paddle. She collapses in his arms and Harry says she's dead. She's dead. Yeah. Wrapped in plastic. No. No? Oh, okay. That was the pilot. Not this I think. time.
0: That was earlier, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, so then then Coop has a vision. Yes, we get our spotlight. The same kind of sounds we've we've heard before. I love even you kind of already got the feeling even when Coop was coming down the hallway because it was the same kind of tone that you heard at the roadhouse when the giant appeared, and um, it's already a familiar soundtrack to set the mood for what's to come, which I love. Um, but yeah, we get the spotlight and Coop's look again. Kyle McLaughlin's amazing here with. Just the look that he's giving <laughs> towards the bed, and all of a sudden we see an arm come up, and it's none other than our favorite denim, wearing <laughs> our denim-clad
0: serial killer,
1: Killer Bob. Killer Bob is back. Climbs up onto the bed as
0: unexpected yeah. mm-hmm. as ever.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's been just long enough. This has cause... been a hot minute
0: since we've actually yeah. gotten a glimpse of yeah. Bob,
1: or the man from another place. That's even who longer. Immediately he's after, technically, only ever appeared in the dream sequence of Cooper's, and, but they've but they have shown it again since then so yeah man from another place shows up and dances on the bed coop responds accordingly with just shock i guess (laughs) just (laughs) trying to make sense of
0: what he's seeing well bob poses a question before the man from another place shows up i kind of like that he addresses him as
1: coop yeah like they're buds he calls him on a nickname basis and i believe too this is the first time they've come face to face Mm -hmm. so i thought that was cool it's just that, like, he's definitely oh, yeah. seen Cooper before. Oh, absolutely. Been keeping up well, with we, yeah, and I mean, like, we, we gathered that from the jail cell with with Bob when he mentions the Pittsburgh stuff. So he definitely Pittsburgh knows in the Vicksburg. <laughs> so he definitely knows a lot about Coop. But yes, yeah, so they are they're buddies, first you know, nickname basis.
0: The uncomfortable familiarity is what really made that stand out for me. Yeah, for sure. What happens to Josie's? image after this is what closes the episode and it's as confusing as just about anything else in the series <laughs> nope. where we do a slow pan from the bed over to the doorknob or the the knob on the drawer of the nightstand next to the bed and it's just a solid wood doorknob drawer knob. or drawer knob yeah,
2: it's hard it's hard to say it's
0: a solid it's a solid wood drawer knob and a superimposed Josie's face kind yeah. of shows up, moaning. Like trapped
2: in the no- drawer knob.
0: And then that <laughs> becomes this 3D stretchy face that's like pushing its way out of the knob. And does nobody see this?
1: <laughs> Wait. I- I'll tell you what, though. I, I feel- it, in, in my rewatches, I always glance over at it before it even happens i'm just drawn to mm-hmm. the knob <laughs> it's so strange but once you see it you like for some reason as soon as the scene starts i'm already looking at it yeah you're already yeah, watching for I'm it just like Did i miss something like does anything happen there that i might have missed is this
2: like um is the the drawer knob like a horcrux any harry potter
0: Like is her is her soul divided across? Yeah, like she killed
2: Thomas Eckert, and this was maybe her last split, and put a piece of her soul, the last piece of her soul, into the doorknob.
0: Like the only way to finally kill Josie is to destroy all the doorknobs (laughs) that she's put herself into.
1: I do like too, though, that uh, she is now the Ghostwood. Uh, (laughs) Ah, it's true though. It She's is. now the. She that is now. Uh, is intentional. <laughs> what she was uh, destined to become this whole time with the Ghostwood property. She is now the Ghostwood. I mean, it even. Yeah, because Benjamin Horn even said it early in the episode. He, he had a Ghostwood name drop.
0: So, so yeah, that's the condemned woman. Uh, we get two new characters one we don't see, and when we do. We have.
2: Randy St. Clair.
0: We have Billy Zanes. Uh, John Jack Justice Wheeler. Nice. We have Norma's not-seen sister, Annie. So we have yet another two characters to deal with coming up. Great. Uh, There honestly wasn't a lot in this episode that really jumped out to me. Uh, Most of the scenes were really just exposition and line delivery without a lot of standout events. I mean, we've got a breakfast dog. My general feelings about this episode are mostly unentertaining
1: and very little payoff.
2: Yes.
0: I don't know about Patrick.
1: I do like it much more than the last episode, I will say. Um, I I think that's mostly due to the ending and the appearance of Bob. Because I am fascinated by the the last scene quite a bit. It's definitely a scene I've gone back and watched a few times just because it's like... I don't know. To me, it's like Uh, they
2: knew they didn't have anything going on in this episode. They packed all this stuff in the end. Like, all right, this will give it some life. Well,
1: I heard David Lynch... I don't know if it's true, but the rumor was David Lynch passed notes right here about the... That was his idea with the drawer knob, was that he passed the notes along there. Because he wasn't super involved in the show at this point at all. Mm. Um, so he, I guess, gave some suggestions. But I do agree. I think they were trying to uh, put some life back into the show by bringing Bob. And even because the man of From Another Place, I mean, you had to be a hardcore, dedicated viewer of this show... To know what that was, or what you're even seeing, and even then, so you don't, you still don't know what you're seeing because you don't know what <laughs> what this is. You just know him as something that Cooper has dreamed yeah. twenty episodes ago. So I like that they're trying to to pull back that familiarity um, with the spirits of Twin Peaks.
2: Yes,
0: Tyler, generals, meh. So while there wasn't that much that really jumped out in this episode, I think I hope. We were each able to fish out uh, a a moment of dialogue, uh, a delivery that stood out enough to become each of our individual damn fine lines of the night. My line is between Norma and Hank in the jail cell, where Hank is showing his true colors and getting a little aggro with her.
2: The agrocrag, saying,
0: uh, saying that she and Ed have a very particular type of relationship, and that's the life she'll choose over Hank and his shenanigans. You give me my alibi, and I give you your divorce. I didn't come here to negotiate with you. This is it. It's over.
1: Fine. Go ahead. Here's horror, Norma
2: i'd rather be his whore than
0: your wife
2: you tell him queen yeah amazing yes
1: patrick were you able to dig up a line for this one i need to talk about your line oh um, you need to talk about my line because there's actually some very important stuff to do with that so i mentioned before a couple episodes ago before we knew well we knew but tyler didn't know that billy zane was gonna be in twin peaks i did name drop him a few episodes ago very much intentionally Um, but I mentioned that Billy Zane and David Warner, who plays Thomas Eckert, were both in Titanic. Funnily enough, they're both in this episode. Granted, not together. The line that Norma says there, that's your damn fine line of the night, is word for word verbatim used by Kate Winslet in Titanic. Yes, it is. I thought I'd heard that somewhere before, and that is absolutely absolutely. right. That is the Titanic connection. Cool. Uh, My damn fine line of the night comes from the very end. It's when Bob appears. Uh, I mainly liked it because he's on a nickname basis uh, with Dale.
0: (laughs) What happened to Josie? (laughs) Tyler, do you have a line for us tonight?
2: I do. It's uh, it's right there at the end when uh, Harry uses his cop voice on Josie.
0: His cop voice.
2: I'm not going to jail. I can't. Put it down, Josie.
1: Harry? Put it down! Harry.
0: Definitely the most emotion we've ever seen out of Michael Unkeen <laughs> as Harry Truman. It's great. It is great. I, I like that he's had enough. He's fed up with all the lies for all this time. He really did have feelings for her. And he's now seeing her for what she really is. And that's just kind of it for his character. Absolutely. I think we've kind of touched on what we were going to say, but uh, we have our feelings. And we've got to find some way to encapsulate that, to represent it on a scale that the layman can understand. Layperson. Yeah. Some people like to use gauges lines levels meters deviled, deviled eggs. eggs deviled eggs what have you uh, we here at talking backwards prefer the uh unfallible scale of james hurley foreheads yes the tra- there's, there's a traditional
2: place, there's, metric forehead
0: there's some underground chamber in france where they store the james hurley forehead that is the true measure yes and that's the one we referenced for our segment we call Talking Foreheads. Talking Foreheads.
2: I can't. I just can't.
0: What a loser. James! I'm going to go first. For me, this episode has very little that actually kept me interested. A lot of exposition, a lot of just straight delivered lines, little bits of weird here and there. Uh, I loved the inclusion of Bob and the man from another place at the end and the dog breakfast, of course, Uh, the weird doorknob CGI monster thing, which took the whole budget of the episode. I feel like
2: it's pretty it's pretty Uh, ahead of its time. Yeah, these things
0: very 90s were the Twin Peaks elements that saved it from being a straight up two. that said, it's. Not directed by Diane Keaton, and it did have Bob. You can't give points for people not directing. (laughs) But I'm going to, (laughs) so I'm going to give it a solid three.
1: Just three.
0: Thought you were going to be lower. Had Diane Keaton's reach extended into this episode, it would have been a two.
1: Patrick! There's a lot that I enjoy about the episode, seeing, seeing Bob and Man from Another Place. Uh, norma's fantastic line to hank the josie callback to the pilot of her looking at herself doing the makeup in the mirror it's gonna be a three for me just three y'all are cowards tyler what's your brave score you'd like to present
2: us today not directed by diane geaton so yeah we'll start off at a three sure uh but then it was also not directed by like will smith or tommy Weisso. so so that's a that's a two and a half <laughs>
1: And a half. that's higher than i thought you were gonna give it
2: me too honestly coward for
0: uh, we are we're inching ever closer to the end of season two
2: will we finally find out what's under jerry horn's band-aid <laughs> <laughs>
0: So these are some of the lower rated episodes across the Twin Peaks community. Uh, Always looking for the positive in it. Always looking for the stuff that is going to carry forward.
1: So looking forward to the future and just kind of ready to get into it, honestly. I'm always excited to watch more and always excited to get Tyler's first time reactions. It was a joy uh, (laughs) watching his reactions to the episode as we watched it together. I'm sure as the episode went on, he was like, why did you want to watch this one with me? but obviously it was mainly the ending and boy seeing his reaction <laughs> i might have to I, with your permission i might have to post some of those screenshots onto our social media because they're <laughs> um five dollars sure
0: uh, join us next time for scars and wounds or wounds and scars whatever you want to call it if there's anything you'd like to reach out to us about you can reach us at our email address which is talking backwards pod at gmail.com
1: you can also find us on twitter at talking backward
0: we put up visuals, fun stories, things to see, things to enjoy on our Instagram, which is also Talking Backwards Pod, Tyler
2: Anchor.
0: FM slash Talking
2: Backwards. And a special thanks to Bean Counter for hitting me up on Twitter.
0: What's that Twitter handle, Tyler?
2: It is at the Egg Deviler. I'm trying to get to five followers. Kathy. Kathy.
0: Dick Kathy. Dick Kathy. Dick Packer. Kathy. Dick Packer. Kathy. Kathy? Kathy? It's Kathy Malaya. I don't believe in ghosts.
1: Oh, that was great
0: fun.